This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Last week we talked about some of the things that Jesus said about his words. One of the things that Jesus said was his words are spiritual and eternal. We talked about the fact that his words have the ability to produce freedom in our lives. One word from God can produce freedom. Don't, don't, don't think that you have to know the entire Bible. You can know one verse and it can help you. I, I suffered about, about 29, about 29, 30 years ago, I suffered from a, a series of anxiety attacks. That is not pleasant. And it was not from the Lord. And those anxiety attacks were hurting my ability to, uh, to be, a, a, I was in sales. It's not good when a sales rep has an anxiety attack in front of you and sweats profusely. Makes you think I was lying. I mean, I'm sitting there talking, I got sweat rolling down my face and it's air conditioned. And so it was an anxiety attack and it was really causing problems. And man, I, I was struggling with this, but sitting in the lobby of a, of a client getting ready to go in and, and make a presentation, the Holy Spirit spoke a scripture to my heart and it set me free. It, and it just simply was this, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I recognized that this attack was not from God, it was from the enemy, and I did not have to accept it at all. And I remember just something on the inside of me st just stood up and like, yeah, we're done with this. And thank God that was 29, 30 years ago, and we are done with them, and we don't have them anymore. And so the good news is that didn't apply to me because I was a preacher. I was a sales rep. And those aren't, from what I understand, those are not like a special category of Christian. So I was a sales rep, but yet one word had the capacity and the ability to do something freeing in my life. You realize one word can do something in your life as well. When you begin to realize that you're a new creation, when you begin to realize that God's done a good work in you, and when you got born again, you just did not get heaven when you die. You got God doing something on the inside of you right now, and it's real and it's powerful. And the more you buy into that, the freer you become. His words have the capacity, and they show us what God has done. They have the capacity to make us free. The last thing we talked about was that his words have the capacity to build strength in our lives. Jesus likened it to building a house. He said, if you'll come to me, if you'll hear my words, and if you'll do them, he said, you're like a wise man, that you built your house on a firm foundation. So even when the storms of life come, you can stand. And that's, boy, that is such a, I love how Jesus just made it. He said, look, you're like a wise man. You can build a strong house. Do you realize wherever you are right now, you can begin to build a strong life so that when the storms of life do come, you can stand. And if you, if you have someone who's married, you got two of you building on that foundation, you have a marriage that can stand. You have families that can stand. You can stand. And God can help you. And it, but he's given us his words. He said, now, if you come to me and hear my words and do them, so we've been talking about what Jesus said about his own words. And it makes me think sometimes, how seriously do we treat his word? That's a good question, isn't it? How seriously do we treat it? And I'm, I'm, not just, I'm not just posing that to you. I'm, I pose that to myself. How seriously do I, do I treat his word? So tonight I want to look at some other things that Jesus said about his words. He, he began to do a, a parable. And Jesus would often share parables where he would... Um, he would give a story. Now, I'm just going to, I'm going to read this. This is in Mark, the fourth chapter. If you actually brought a, a physical Bible, you can turn there because it's not in your notes. 
But Jesus is sharing a parable. He says, listen, verse 3, Mark 4, 3. He said, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no crop, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, Jesus, when he's talking here, you think, well, that's great, Jesus. We're talking about agriculture now. No, and then he said this, and this is in your, in, on the screen in your notes. And then he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now I think this is a, a great, Jesus gives this parable, and then he says something very unique. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many of you realize when Jesus was speaking that way, he was not talking about these kind of ears? Because he wasn't talking to any group of people who had been dismembered or people who did not have ears. He was talking to people who had ears. But he must not be talking about physical ears. He must be talking about another kind of ears. He who has ears to hear. And Jesus said that a lot. He would say, he who has ears to hear. And you're thinking, well, Jesus, what do you mean by ears to hear? I mean, of course I have ears to hear. And then we get an indication of what he meant by that. Because he said then, he, he said, he began to talk about who actually could hear. Because it's not a, it's not a function of do I hear sound bouncing off my, my waves? It's a function of, do I have a heart that wants to hear what he has to say? Have you ever talked to someone that did not want to listen to you? Okay, how many of you have teenagers? Have you ever talked to, the, have you ever talked to your, your teenagers and had them look at you like, they, they look at you like, you're out of your mind. Am I the only one that's ever had teenagers look at me that way? Oh, I can tell you, I hated that look. I'm like, oh, don't you dare roll your eyes at me. Don't you, don't you do it. But I've had them look at me like, and you know they're not listening. You know they're not listening. I remember talking to my youngest one time, Michael, the expert. And uh, <laughs> he, he finally told me, he said, now, I, I got this thing down. I got this thing about women. I, I, I got it. Like, yeah, you're 17 and you, and you got the whole story on women, right? Sure you do. I'm 59. I don't still have the whole story on, on, on women. 17, tell me you got it. <laughs> you don't got it. <laughs> you got nothing. That's what I told him too. I said, no, you don't. I said, I need you to repeat after me. When it comes to women, he said, when it comes to women, he said, I am stupid. I am stupid. <laughs> he's been married for a little while now. I think he still feels that way. I, I just, I, but sometimes you can talk to somebody and you can tell they're not listening. You can tell they don't have ears to hear. But it said that those, I, I like this, he said, insight was given to a certain group of people. He said, well, who was it given to? It was given to those who stayed around who were with the 12. Now here's something I wanted you to catch. It wasn't just the disciples. 
It was those who hung around after Jesus finished the parable and they asked Jesus, Jesus, what, what did you mean by that? And he said to them, to you, it has been given. Who? To people who had a desire to hear. To people who just simply had a desire. Listen, God's not, God's not keeping things away from you. He just is going to give them to people who have an appreciation for them. How many of you are big, you love like special coffees? You love to drink. Anybody, you're like, you're like, a, you're like a coffee expert. In fact, if someone gives you a, a cup of Folgers, you turn your nose up at it like, no, there's, there's, there's no way. You got a few of them here? If you've got a few, all you coffee snobs, uh, if, if, if I am not a coffee snob, I can drink it. As long as it's got cream, I can drink it. I don't care. Old, new, doesn't matter to me. I am so not a coffee snob. So if you came to me and said, Alan, we have these beans. They're only grown in five acres in Puerto Rico. And they're the most awesome coffee beans in the world. I'm, I'm going to think to myself, well, thank you. But you might want to give them to somebody who will appreciate them. Because I don't have a valuation for that. It does, they're not valuable to me. Now, if someone gave you some really special, if you're, a, if you're a real coffee connoisseur and somebody gives you that, you appreciate that. If you're a wine drinker, I won't ask for a show of hands. I am not. <laughs> I don't drink. And so if you came to me with a fine bottle of wine, say, Alan, this is a, a Chateau 1904. <laughs> I would look at you and go, I don't care. <laughs> I have no appreciation for that. It, it, it doesn't matter to me. And so often what we're seeing is, how many of you know God's smarter than we are? He's not going to give something to somebody who won't have an appreciation for it. Have you ever done that? Giving something to somebody that had real value to you and they were kind of like, eh. That's a, is that, I don't know about you, that's an irritating feeling. You walk away going, well, I'm never going to do that again. It's, it's just a, and so, you, you want to give things to people who have an appreciation for them. And Jesus is saying, hey, you had a desire? Now listen, I'm talking to people who come on Wednesday night. How many of you realize that you're a special group of people that come on Wednesday night? And so if you, if you haven't known that, you ought to at least buy into the, the fact that, just buy into the illusion. But, just, <laughs> but the idea is, is that if, if you're coming, oftentimes you're coming maybe extra, what are you doing? You're saying, I place a high value on God's Word. I place a high value on learning. I place a high value on serving. If you place a high valuation, then, then that's how you receive something from it. I recently read, how many of you know Warren Buffett, right? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is one of the richest men in America. I, I, he's been passed by Jeff Bezos, but it probably won't be for long. And um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is... Jeff has, I think, over 100, I think Jeff's worth over, what, $130 billion? And still couldn't make his marriage work. 25 years. I thought, boy, that, there's, a, there's a case. Money will not make you happy in a marriage. It helps take pressure off. It will not make you happy. Because if anybody can be happy, $130 billion ought to make you real, real, real happy. <laughs> but it didn't. And so uh, Warren Buffett, is, I think they call him the Oracle of Omaha. Is that what they call him? He's from Omaha, Nebraska. Real, real fine guy. Every year he donates 
a lunch for seven people, up to seven people, and they auctioned it off on eBay. Do you know how much people pay to have a lunch with Warren Buffett? This year, it, it came down a little bit from last year. This year, it was $3.3 million won that auction. Now, why in the world would you pay to have lunch with a guy in his 80s? Because he's a genius. And he's worth a few billion dollars, and he's an outstanding investor. And so people who place a high value on that will actually would, and usually they get together and pony up. And by the way, the money goes for charity. It goes actually to a church in San Francisco that reaches the down and outers. And so it, it goes to a good cause. He's not doing it because he needs the money. But people who are donating that, they want to have lunch with Warren Buffett so they can ask him questions so they can be here because they value what he says. Now, I appreciate Warren Buffett. He's a brilliant man. But how many of you know that Jesus said, my words are eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. And so the valuation that we place on God's word is important. And the valuation that Jesus said, not only said, he said, if, if you have a high value for it, if you have a desire for it, you're going to see things. In fact, he said to you, it's given to know the mysteries. That word mysteries is actually means the hidden secrets of God's kingdom. So what we begin to find is, and I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to show you just in a second, it, it's the, our heart condition. It's the heart condition that makes all the difference in the world. How many of you know maybe you, you could come to, to, to church and maybe you brought someone here to this church and you've come and, and, and after church, you're like, wasn't that awesome? Just work with me here on that. Just to, <laughs> and, and, and maybe they, they go, yeah, it was okay. At least he was short. <laughs> I mean, no, they didn't get much out of that. And yet you can bring, some of you brought loved ones some of you brought loved ones and God's gotten a hold of them and has made a difference in their life. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's not that I'm amazing. It's all of a sudden they placed a value on what God can do in their life and what they heard. That's, that's high value stuff. That's why sometimes at church we have to stir ourselves up so that we don't get um, complacent and so that when you roll in here, you're like, not like, it's Alan. <laughs> I'm really tired tonight. I hope he can keep me awake. Maybe it'll be story night. Well, sometimes, sometimes it's story night. Sometimes it isn't story night. But the idea is sometimes you actually have to stir yourself up to sit down and go, you know what? I came here. I came for a reason. I believe God will give him something that I can receive and it will help me. Amen. And it can make a difference in my life. And if you're like, whatever. <laughs> let, me, let me talk to you about that. Let me talk about whatever for a second because Jesus actually talked about it. He, uh, after he asked, they asked about the parable, Jesus explained it. And he explained a couple of things. He explained God's seed and he explained a heart condition. So let's read that and then we'll probably, oh, we're not going to be able to continue it next week because next week you don't want to miss. Next week is night of worship. And that's an awesome time. So don't, if, you, if you don't like me, you'll love night of worship because it's a, it's a whole night of, 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 of ministry and worshiping. But let's read this. Go ahead, put it up there in Mark. And he, Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? 
The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Here, I'm going to stop it right there. Just go ahead, because I'm going to have to hit that next week. But notice what he said. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? What Jesus is saying was, this one's key. This one's key. Get this one. It's key. Now, what he's talking about, he said the seed is, he said, he said the sower sows the word. Now, this parable is recorded in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. John's the only one that doesn't record it. John wrote his gospel years after these other guys wrote their gospel. He had a different slant on, on his gospel, had a different purpose behind it. But Jesus is now saying, and he said, the sower sows the word. The other writers, one of them says, this is the word of the kingdom. The other one said, the seed is God's word. So what, what Jesus is saying, he said that he's likening God's word to seed. Now that's an important principle. Jesus is using something natural to explain something spiritual. He's saying this is God's word, it is seed. And so like seed, how many of you know you can have seed and you can have a bunch of seed, but if you never do anything with the seed, it doesn't do anything. It has huge potential, but you have to plant it. You have to take care of it. For those of you who are agricultural in background, you could have, you could have just, just absolute bushel barrels full of seed that nothing will happen until you plant it. So Jesus is giving us some insight into God's kingdom and how it works. Remember, Jesus' words are spiritual. So he's defining spiritual things. He's helping us understand them by giving us a natural example. And so now we begin to understand a little more. How does God's kingdom work? How does God's things work? And so he, he says this. He said he first talked about the hard heart. Now he said these are the ones sown by the wayside. The word wayside, we don't use that word as much anymore. Wayside simply meant the street or the road. It's, it's hard. If you're sowing seed, they didn't have machines that planted seed. Often they would just scatter seed like this. They would have it in a bag and they would throw seed out. And so he's saying the sower is sowing, he's throwing seed out. Well, in a, in a less precise planting method, you're going to have some seed, they said, that would fall on the wayside. In other words, it would fall in the hard places like where the, on the street where, where things had been hard and the seed never got in. I've read that parable before, and I used to, it used to bother me because it said, the sower sows the word, and Satan comes immediately and takes away with the word that was sown in their heart. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. How can he come and take the word that was sown in my heart? That's not fair. How, how, how is that? How does that work? And what we find is it's, it's completely fair because it's not that Satan just has, he can come in anytime he wants and snatch the word out of your heart. But if it's never received, he has access to it. He, they never received the word. It just landed on a hard place and they didn't receive it. And so because they never, now again, let, let me go back to the teenager example. You've said something to your teenage child and you can tell when they receive it and when they haven't received it. You ever said something to them and they look at you and kind of go, uh-huh. And you're like, you are 
you're not feeling me on this, are you? And you recognize they haven't received it. And so you can hear the word preached and you can hear it taught and you can go, huh, whatever. And when you go, whatever, you stand a great chance of losing it. So in other words, and and I'll have to get to the other ones a little bit later, but in other words, when you hear God's word, you know know what the best way to do it is? We hear God's word and we go, hmm, that's good and that's for me. What keeps people from receiving? Well, a lot of different things. Here's one. The first one is tradition. Tradition. Jesus told one group of people, said, you guys have made the word of God of no effect by your tradition. Now, let me, let me, let me launch real quickly into some tradition. You'll hear me talk. You hear me talk a lot about the new creation, being a new creation in Christ. If you've listened to me more than twice, you've heard me mention that. Because I'm a big believer in the fact that when you got born again, that you, you got changed. I got changed. I am no longer the person I used to be. I am risen with Christ to walk in newness of life, and I am a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And if, you, if you've made Jesus your Lord, that's what's happened to you too. Now, here's the deal. You might hear that. But what have you been taught? And I've heard people say it. Don't, don't look around. Have you ever heard people say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've said that. And then oftentimes they'll follow it up with, I'm just a weak worm of the dust. Now, I can tell some of you have a heathen background because you've never even heard that. But... <laughs> That's a religious phrase that people often use. It's kind of a pseudo-humility that says, I'm just nothing. I'm just nobody. I'm a weak worm of the dust. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. They They got a partial scripture. By grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then the next scripture said, and we are his worksmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. So here's the deal. If you're just thinking, well, you know, Alan, the way we sing the song, the way we heard it, the way I was raised, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And then you'll never live in the newness of the reality of what God has done in your heart when you made Jesus your Lord because you became a new individual and a new person. Do you you, you see what I'm saying? So tradition, if you have tradition... Well, you know, like the old song says, well, you don't want to go like the old song says. You want to go like the book says. And the book says we're new creations in Christ. So if you're, if you're stuck on tradition, I might share something like that. And you could go, nah, I don't, I don't receive that. And then you lose it. That's why, honestly, sometimes people said, Alan, do you have a lot of people in your church who don't have a church background? How many of you don't have a church background? Just don't be... Don't be embarrassed. You have no church background. In in, in some senses, you're blessed because you haven't been taught a whole boatload of tradition. You've you've had, so you come in here and it's all all due to you. It's all like, it's all good. Yeah, what he said. I'm that new creation thing. Yeah, I'm all in for that. (laughs) It, It makes a difference because a lot of times we're a product of what we've been taught. We're a product of tradition. We're a product of our background. But thank God, God's given us his word and we can take his word and we can begin to apply it to our life. So you say, well, Alan, if I've been hard-hearted, can I change? Absolutely. 
anytime you want to. You just want to go, Lord, I love you and I receive from you. And if you say it, I'm in. I value it. It's your word. It's better to me than gold and silver. It is valuable stuff. And it's changing my life. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? If you're here this evening and say, Alan, you know, I hear what you're saying. Glad to be here. But I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I'm not sure. But you want to be sure. Or if you're here this evening and say, you know, I, I, I used to walk with the Lord and I've gotten so far away from him but I don't want to live there. I, I want to come back. Well, I got great news for you. The Bible said, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you want to come back, I'm going to tell you something. He, he is so willing to take you back. So we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front or walk an aisle. Our purpose is not to embarrass you, but it is to give you an opportunity to make a connection with the one who loves you more than anybody else. So his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And no one's looking around. If that's you and you're not sure of your salvation, where you are with God, but you want to be, or you know you've been away from him and you want to come back and you would like our prayers, would you just slip your hand up just right where you are in your seat? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, way in the back, in the front. Thank you. Anybody else? Great. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? Great. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Got you. Anybody else to say, I want in. That's me, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around except for me. I'm going to lead you into prayer. Just want you to jump in, pray this. Pray it out loud so you can hear it. We're going to join you as a church family. We're going to pray it with you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, the head's still bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for those hands that went up and hearts that responded to you. And I'm even more happy, Father, that you respond, that they've received the salvation that's been offered. They've received the restoration. And Father, we welcome them into the family where they're yours and belong to you and always will. So Father, we're grateful for that tonight. We give you all the praise. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that we have the capacity and the ability to receive your word, to understand it, to have it work and change our hearts and change our lives, and that we can give you honor and glory by being fruit-bearing, productive Christians that live a life that other people would love to jump into because it's full of so much life. Thank you for that. Thank you that capacity and potential lies in every one of us, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about the Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.